Well, you brave souls, you guys are the real, the real heavyweights. You guys have what it takes. Cold temperatures can't keep you from this place. New Year's Eve holiday can't keep you in bed, tucked in, although that would have been way smarter. I've heard from people whose cars didn't start and they couldn't make it to church. So for all of you, starting tomorrow, watching this online, we believe you that your car wouldn't start, okay? And that's why you're not here. Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to all you guys, starting tomorrow. How was Christmas? Good? I mean, that was kind of lackluster. You must not have gotten that whole family of BMW SUVs like TV promised us. (laughs) Who are these people? Anybody else have multiple Christmases? That seems to be the norm these days. Like you go to one place, you you tell yourself, all right, I'm going to pace myself. I'm not just going to eat the finger food all day and then eat too much for dinner and then eat too much dessert. Then it just becomes potential energy so that when we have to drive to the next place, we can make it. And then we tell ourselves the same stuff. I'm going to pace myself. And it doesn't work. And then there we are. Now this time of year, two family Christmases for me, a family birthday on Friday. Now it's New Year's Eve. Guess what? Sugar high. Sugar crash. I'm extra stuffed. Extra tired. And now scrambling to think of enough resolutions I can make, stupid, I know, but to somehow make up that gap, how I failed to live out my commitment to pacing myself, and not even just at the holidays, but throughout 2017. Isn't this just that time of year where we are just brought face-to-face with all of our mistakes and failures and what we resolved to do last year that we tried for a half a week. We went to the gym one time. We tried to diet two times, like two meals, and it just, yeah, doesn't satisfy. Can't do it. It hurts. I'm sore. I'm hungry. So it's all those same categories, food, sleep, exercise, in some form, that I realize I make all these grandiose commitments about. I make all these recommitments about. Resolutions over the years, somehow to answer. And it's funny sometimes, but really it comes from that place of the voice of shame, the internal voice of shame where I've made too many mistakes. I've been too inconsistent. I haven't been good enough in this year. It's the time of year when we feel the exhaustion of what it has meant to be alive on the planet Earth in the year 2017. Remember when 2016 was the worst? This keeps getting worse. The exhaustion of the year. And then the holidays. The exhaustion of what it has meant to carry our personal burdens and disappointments around for another year. And then we're supposed to magically look ahead to the changing of one digit. At the end of four digits, two, zero, one, maybe the eight will fix it. Maybe the eight will mean it's the year I can finally do what I commit to do. Respond to that pressure to be somehow fitter, happier, more productive. When the calendar changes, maybe there's a ray of hope. Maybe we wake up tomorrow and we say, could it be? 
We run to the window, and instead of finding that SUV in the driveway on Christmas, we find the purpose and motivation we've always been waiting for. This year is going to be the year. Never works that way. What we feel, we wake up, oh, life is still life. And then we try some stuff, and one of the first things we experience is that thud, face plant, of just how impossible it still is that we could really do anything significant enough to to lift the feeling of our shame, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and somehow leave it at the door when we walk into 2018. Well, God has something to say about that, because it's true. We cannot do that on our own. We aren't smart enough. We don't know enough. We aren't strong enough. We can't make enough resolutions to answer the voice of shame, no matter how hard we try. But God declares that that work of lifting our shame, of answering its voice, has been done. It's over. That's what our series this Christmas season, Shameless Christmas, has been all about. So I hope that has made an impact on your holiday, your Christmas, your experience of this time of year. So whatever your celebrations were like, I hope you felt a different, maybe a a deeper sense of lightness, that you realized in a new way, in a new area of life, just how much shame is not meant to be a part of Christmas, nor is it meant to be part of our identities anymore at all. It's not meant to be the lens through which we see ourselves, because God doesn't look at us through a lens of shame, what God says is that we're not called to shame. We're called to salvation. And I love what that means. It means God sent his son, Jesus. We celebrate his birth at Christmas time. Jesus who came, firstborn among us as one of us to identify with us in our weakness And he surrendered his life so that through his death on the cross, his resurrection, to complete victory over shame, to once and for all be the answer to shame. We've been learning about it through these last four weeks, and I've been so thankful for our Christmas series because we got to see this happen to people in the story of Jesus' lineage and his birth, people who were written into the story in ways that didn't make any sense to the culture, to the the social constructs of the time. They should have, based on their culture at the time, felt the shame of who they were and what their circumstances, their mistakes, their failures said about them. But God, in his love, by design, called them out of their shame and called them into something new. The salvation story, full of love and purpose and identity. They were called out of their shame to be part of the story of the one, the Savior. To see and know the one, Jesus, who brought light and everlasting life into the world for all people. That calling out of shame is for every one of us. And really, knowing that we're called out of that and into salvation is the perfect way to end what has been a pretty heavy year on many levels. 
and the perfect way to remember who we are as we walk into the new year. So as we look ahead to 2018, what would it look like to not drag that carcass of your old shame with you into yet another year, but instead step into a new year with clarity about who you're not and who you really are with confidence in what God has done and completed through Jesus. Let's start here, beginning with this understanding. God has called us to salvation from the farthest corners of the earth. Isaiah 41, 9 through 10. God reminding his nation, his people, Israel, through the prophet. I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the broken, scattered, exiled nation of Israel. And God is assuring them of his presence, his relationship, his love, his help, his power. They didn't have to be dismayed. They didn't have to look at each other in fear. That sense of dread at how great their enemies appeared to be or how destroyed their city was or how bleak the future future looked because they were loved by God. And we now, through Jesus, are invited in to that same hope, that same reassurance as the people of God. And no one, no one is excluded. How broken and afraid and lost were you when God called your name? How broken and scattered and afraid are you now needing to know that God is calling to you? What far corner were you in when God said, you're not made for that darkness? Come out of that and into new life. When he said he loved you, when he said you belong to him and you are his. God calls his people to himself from the farthest corners of the earth. No matter how remote, no matter how well hidden or forgotten about that corner might seem. His love is for all. Jesus came for all. Which means we are accepted and not rejected Just as God spoke to his people through Isaiah. Jesus is our sign that God welcomes all people. That God accepts us as we are, where we are, when we say yes to his invitation. God does not reject us and continually push us down like shame does. Salvation has come to answer that shame. Salvation through Jesus declares something else, that we are invited and accepted and forgiven, that we are new creations. So the fear, the old life, all that rejection that we experience, all that shame, gone. It can be gone. We're not who we were. We're not alone anymore. And salvation also is one of the most beautiful ways God has ever said, just like he did to his people thousands of years ago, I am with you. I am with you. God has always been with his people. He's always been merciful, patient, forgiving, loving. He's always found ways to remind his people of his presence and his love. 
And he does the same for us if we look and if we listen and if we will remember. He's reminding us constantly by his spirit that he is with us always. He's not going away. And even when shame is the loudest voice in the room or in your head, or the evidence for shame is all around you everywhere, and shame just seems so true, and the verdict is so true, guilty, shameful. God is with us, even when, in that kind of reality, he feels absent or distant or like it's not even real. He's not absent. He's not distant. He's with us. So we don't have to be afraid anymore somehow that shame really is right about us. It's not. God says to his people, I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. And what's more, I've had this salvation planned out for you since before the beginning of time. Mind-blowing stuff. 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 10. The Apostle Paul writing to his, his young friend, his protege, his confidant, Timothy. He says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. It's a different life. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. What? Before the beginning of time? But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality, eternal life to light through the gospel. So I don't know the details of what Timothy was going through. I do know that some people were calling his age into question, and he probably heard some voices of shame saying he didn't belong. He hadn't experienced enough. He didn't know enough to to pastor his church. People didn't want to listen to his instruction. And so Paul's encouraging him, reminding him, filling him with that confidence that the power of salvation through Jesus actually does change our real lives right here and now. It gives us a purpose. It helps us do whatever it takes to let salvation and not fear or shame anymore define who we are. Now, he says it was given before the beginning of time, and I think, whoa, okay? I I tend to think of God's grace having been given to me in the moment I actually received it and said, yes, okay. Or, you know, when Jesus died on the cross and was raised to life, that's when the grace came. Or at Christmas, Jesus being born was like grace, boom, created, invented right there. But that's not what the scriptures say. Paul says, this was always in place. This always existed. And then it just was revealed, this ray of light in the Christmas story. And then, like surrounding the entire universe. Here it is, where it's always been. Now you can see it. Now you can take hope in it. Now it can change your life. It started before the beginning of time. Think of that. This plan to show absolute love and grace and mercy. To invite all people 
little old us into salvation has always been true. His plan to show you his love, to invite you in, has always existed. He saved us. He changes us, rewrites our stories. And in place of our stories of old sin and old shame, he gives us a new shameless testimony. If salvation through Jesus has changed your life, who knows it? Don't shut up about it. And don't be ashamed of it. If you know the truth, if you felt the transformation, the blessing of what Jesus has done and what that has meant for you, don't be ashamed of it. Shame is part of who you were. It's not part of who you are now in Christ. By his blood and by the word of our testimony, we overcome as he overcame. And we overcome here and now in this life as part of our eternity in him. So tell your story. What a reminder. Because we all need it. We all need these reminders of how incredible it is that we can be saved. Called to a new holy life. Life in all its fullness. Life that really is life. Now, I look back at my testimony. You know, I grew up as a Christian kid who didn't have a testimony. I was homeschooled, so I didn't experience the hard knocks of life as, you know, an elementary age kid. And I'd be like, I don't have a testimony. What do I really have to say about life? Who would dare listen to me? I mean, I've got nothing. Then fast forward to when I'm 28 years old back in 2005. Yikes! Talk about testimony, okay? But it was a story of shame. I wish, I've often wished, my story didn't include battling alcoholism my whole life. Didn't include a past addiction to pornography, totally consumed by it. Or stealing from people, or abusing narcotics, opioids, flaking out constantly on my wife and kids, consumed by depression, anxiety, fear, hopelessness. I wish I hadn't been spiritually abused in the Christian church and had to recover from that. Those steps are painful. But I love, I love that that's not the story. That's what was. The real story is that through Jesus, God called me out of that far, dark corner and kept calling me and stuck it out with me when I was at my worst and kept saying my name with love, with gentleness, with invitation. God knew before the beginning of time how my story of shame would play out and then how he would change it through salvation. How he would keep gently and powerfully every time I've needed it, keep putting me back on my feet again, turning my sorrow into joy. And even though my story has darkness in it, I mean, think of our stories. Whoa, a lot of darkness, a lot of heaviness, so much shame. And even though the journey from salvation forward was not like a magical rainbow road of wonder and delight. It hasn't been easy, okay? Those steps forward are super hard. Even though it's been crazy difficult, 
It's not the difficulty of shame. It's the difficulty of trying to understand that I am not shame anymore. That's not my identity. I have a story. Can I really believe it? Can I live in it? A story about the saving power of God to free me from that shame. Gets to be the same for every one of us. If you've been feeling heavy with shame, it can be that way for you today. For the first time, you can step into this gift of salvation. Or you can remember what it means for your life. Whatever darkness is in your story, whatever shame or heaviness you feel now, you don't have to be afraid of it or live in it. Jesus, in his gentleness and his love, would heal that. Jesus would speak words about who you really are and answer those lies of shame. And in place of your old story of shame, he would give you a shameless testimony about salvation. This designed, connected, transcendent story God's been writing throughout history around the entire globe. Telling the world that Jesus has brought life. Jesus Christ has brought life and it seems so simple, so basic. But it's what Paul wrote to Timothy It's what Timothy needed to hear so he could take heart, find courage again, remember. It's what we need to hear so we can take heart at the end of a hard year, at this stopping point in a hard life, before we take another step forward. Yes, we're surrounded by sin. Yes, we're surrounded by death and decay and pain on all sides. By shame, everywhere. We feel it consistently. But no longer is it who we are. Do you know that? Where there was shame and death in the big picture. Where there was shame and death in you. Unique to you. Death has been destroyed. And now for all time, Jesus has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel by entering the world as one of us. He shined this great, big, heavenly spotlight onto a new reality and calls us to it and says, come in here. This is who you are. This is how you live. This salvation is for all of you. And maybe we can't believe this. Maybe we struggle to comprehend it. But even in a world with a backdrop as dark As it is in our world, God is still at work. God is still at work, active and alive now by his spirit, inviting people, calling people, just as he did for us, out of darkness and into the light. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter's writing to the early church, Jews, Gentiles, this crazy mix of people trying to figure out who they are, how to function as a community together, as the body of Christ. So 
He tells them who they are. They have to know who they are to live the new identity. The promises of God to the nation of Israel now opened wide for all the people of God. God calls us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I've heard that so many times. Rarely has it sunk in what that really means. It didn't sink in for me until that year, 2005, 28 years old, when I finally knew the full weight, depth of my shame. The season when the truth of all that secret sin, my addictions, my secret crushed life of shame and hopelessness had come out through just a super painful time of getting caught, being exposed, and then, you know, that was like 2% of the story, and all the rest came out through confession, through choosing to live transparently and just get it all out. I knew, I knew my shame. It was complete. It had owned me. And here's the biggest lie I believed about shame, that it was permanent. Just there. That shame would always define the past, the present, and the future. Yet at the same time, confessing and stepping into the light and letting God's mercy come and heal my wounds, telling the truth, asking God in humility finally to save me, to do what I wasn't even sure I believed he could do for me, meant that he could come into those dark places and the rays of the light of his love, of salvation, I could begin to feel and see for the first time. Hesitant, but hopeful. In pain, but seeking to live in the promises of God. I stood in my church one morning. It was 2005, okay, I was 28. Not nearly the wise, educated, knowledgeable man you see before you now. I stood in church one morning. Here's how I worshipped. Always, pretty much my whole life. You know, I would kind of mouth the words to the hymnal, you know, growing up as a kid. Mom nudged me. But other than that, I just was motionless and emotionless. That's the way we worship, right? Upper Midwesterners. I stood in church. The worship band started to play a song. I'd heard it a bunch of times before, and I never could get into the fast songs anyway. Like, give me a good worship ballad, mid to, to slow tempo, power chords. Maybe that I can feel. But this one, eh. I couldn't get into it. Stood there like I always did, motionless and emotionless. But out of nowhere, because I was going through this roiling, chaotic mess of being recreated, out of nowhere, the words of the song just like poof, hit me, went into my eyes. I heard it with my ears, but I felt something. And I started singing. What? Full out. Not even like, like really singing. And what I felt next was tears streaming down my face. And I'm like, who am I? I'm freaking myself out. What is this? But I realized the words, into marvelous light, I'm running. Out of darkness, out of shame, 
weren't just words to a song. They were true. And not just true in general, or not just true for other people who were strong enough or smart enough or good enough to discover it, but true for me, a mess, a screw-up. It was part of my story, that active, alive kind of story in real time, unfolding in the moment in a way I could almost not believe. I could leave darkness behind? I could leave shame behind and just keep running into the light more and more and more? But first I had to surrender my shame, my darkness. And then I could experience what had always been true, what had always been the invitation into the light. So these words in 1 Peter are incredible. It's about the story being changed, new identities being established in Christ. So here's what we get to know. Here's what Peter wrote to these people and what God speaks to you and to me, to everyone. You are the people of God. Once you were not a people, you had nothing going for you. You were scattered, wandering, journeying in darkness, weak, lost, defined by failure, defined by shame. But now you are the people of God. You aren't even the people that kind of were outcasts and banded together and had to stumble through and figure it out on your own. You're the people of God. People of every location, every language now can be the people of God, united in Jesus, God's special possession. You know you are a treasure to him. He looks on you with love. Where shame used to own you, God now says you belong to him. He's adopted you into his family. So now his life, his light defines you. You belong. You're accepted You matter. You are new. You have been and can be still forgiven and set free. And as you continue to take those painful steps, as you journey into, as you run into his wonderful light, don't be a closed book because that's not the end of the story either. The story of how God saved you isn't just for you. We're called to be worshipers and witnesses. Given these new shame-free identities, shameless testimonies, the people of God, so that you may declare. I mean, that's what comes next. So that you may declare. It's not just about hearing about salvation and receiving salvation and applying salvation to your own life. That's the beginning. Just the beginning. What comes next is who you really are and how you're really meant to live. What comes next is our calling, our mission to spread this everywhere to everyone. You are God's people. Yes, so you can know his mercy. Yes, so your lives can change. Yes, so you can know his freedom. And so that then you can declare the praises of the one who did it. Because this world is full of people still who need 
to hear that story, who need to know that you carry that light within you and that that means if it's for you, it's for them too. If it's for me, it's for you. If it's for you, it's for them, for everyone. So family, friends, people at your school, people at your workplace, people you don't even know, people you care about who are afraid, people who are hurting, who have become convinced of the permanence of their shame and that it's all there is and that there's no escape from it or that somehow sin is going to provide the only kind of relief that works or that death and destruction is just inevitable in all things. Some of you might be feeling that in this church, watching online right now. You look at the circumstances of your life and you just think, this is all there is. But I promise you, your shame has been answered. You have been invited into the light to know who you are, to know your purpose. Yes, you have been changed. But others have not yet been changed. Tell that story. Declare it. Be a part of God's plan to call them out of darkness too and into the light of his love. That's what our next three weeks, our January series, is all about. What we're called to. Now that we have been changed by salvation, now that we see we are the people of God, representatives of Jesus In our world today, what we're called to now that that is who we are. I've got a video to show you right now. We're going to use this video uh, before our messages over these next three weeks to remind us of who we are and what we're called to. Let's take a look. Our approach to calling is new wineskin, limitless, infinite, endless, never-ending, everlasting. The burden to reach the 2.8 billion people with no access to the gospel in Asia, Africa, Europe, the Americas, the Middle East. The terrain, dangerous, uncomfortable, exhausting. Our legacy, 170 years of lawyers, doctors, teachers, watchmakers, baristas, martyrs, church planners, prayer warriors, cave dwellers. Our vision, to leave and leverage. Let the dead bury the dead. Leverage your skills to be a doctor, crossfitter, photographer, chef, storyteller, evangelist, teacher, engineer, entrepreneur, student, retired nurse, seminarian. The reward? Immeasurable, bottomless, unceasing. The souls of men and women and children experiencing the peace of God and reconciling power of Jesus Christ. The possibilities with us all together, without end, constraint, or boundaries. Limitless. So that is our next three-week series. It's called Limitless. It's based on our limitless God, his limitless plan, and how we are written into that plan, invited in to be part of the great work he is continuing to do to bring the light of the gospel to this world. So as we think of next steps, you know, it's New Year's Eve. Walking into 2018, here's my encouragement to you. For your next step, look for your next opportunity to tell that story, to share your shameless testimony. 
Because the world is occupied by billions of people who don't know that story, who don't know what it means to be saved, who wait for us, the people of God, to live like the people of God, to become who we really are, to live as Christ lived, to speak as Jesus spoke, to love like Jesus loves. So as you step into 2018, don't bring your shame with you through the door. Carry the light of salvation instead. I also understand that there may be some here in this room or in the North Venue or maybe you're watching online and you have never, never known salvation through Jesus. You have never known how that can change your life and show you who you really are. Romans 10 says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it's that simple, Jesus, you are Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you can just believe, yes, it has to be true. God, I believe you did that. That is reality. You will be saved. It's that simple. It also says that anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Never. That is what's permanent. That never again can you be put to shame. Believe it, and if you believe it, and if you start now, live it. Let your life and your choices, your every action, reflect the light of salvation. Now, maybe there are some of you who have lost that, who who seem, you, you feel as though God is far away, and that light has been snuffed out. And this might be a time for you not to feel ashamed about that or how you have taken steps away from God, but just to see how amazing it is that that love still stands and that invitation and that status as his child has not gone away. That's still who you are. And you can, in 2018, live recommitted, recreated, not afraid anymore, not covered in shame anymore, but ready to tell of the light and love of salvation. However this is hitting you, wherever you happen to be, be, uh, let one of your next steps be prayer. Take advantage of our prayer room today. Go down the hallway to the fireside room. I don't know how many of you have just always missed that that's there, but what a tremendous opportunity to open up to people who will listen to you, encourage you, pray with you, even pray with you today to step into this new identity as one who has been saved. For all of us, what if, we, what if we did this? What if we let a shameless Christmas become truly a limitless new year and then every step beyond defined by salvation? Will you pray with me as we close? Thank you, God, for this gift, for calling me, us, all people out of darkness and into the light of Christ. For anyone here, for anyone watching who does not know your salvation, who does not know you as Lord, who does not know your light, your saving power, I thank you that, first of all, your invitation still stands and always will. And second of all, that simply by 
confessing with their words that Jesus is Lord, that they choose Jesus as their Lord. And by believing that he was raised to life and has conquered death and sin and the grave, they're saved. They're new. That's the answer to our shame, and we thank you. We love you, Lord. You are without beginning or end. You truly are limitless, as is your design for us. Help us carry that love into 2018, into a new year like never before. And thank you for this great and holy identity, this purpose and calling as your people and your church. Teach us and help us to live it well for you, for your glory. And in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.